Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Welcome to Pit Pass Moto, the show that brings you deep dive interviews with the motorcycle industry insiders and racers that make the sport move. I'm host Dale Spangler, and this week's guest is Cody Wyman, Moto America competitor and professional riding instructor. This episode is brought to you by Moto America. See the fastest racing on two wheels. It's Moto America Superbikes in Texas, September 8th through the 10th, with five classes, including Superbikes, Supersport, Stock 1000, and the ever-popular King of the Baggers and Super Hooligan National Championships. It's fun for the entire family, with kids under 12 free and available VIP and camping packages for the ultimate fan experience. It's Moto America Superbikes in Texas, September 8th through the 10th. Reserve your tickets and camping spot today by visiting MotoAmerica.com. Let's get started. Cody Wyman, welcome to Pit Pass Moto. How are you today and what's new? Hey, Dale. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. So uh, you mentioned before we came on the air here, you're kind of in the process of moving yourself back to where you grew up in New York from Las Vegas. So tell us about that and uh, you know what's happening there. Yeah, definitely grew up in Macedon, New York, just outside of Rochester. We got some land, me and my couple brothers uh, riding in, in the backyard kind of growing up and grateful to have a you know harley davidson dealership that my grandfather started in 1962 and just grateful to kind of have that around and my whole family be be into motorcycles and motorsports um yeah grew up here and was racing up and down the east coast a lot and uh moved out to vegas with my brother travis did a lot of car instruction it was kind of when i took my four five year break from racing motorcycles was just working with performance cars you know, lead follow stuff, did some other manufacturer marketing. And um, yeah, finally just decided for a change, moved back home to New York. So kind of in the middle of race season, packed up a bunch of stuff, drove it in my same car from high school. And um, now just kind of been settling in uh, a little bit in Maston. Sweet. So same car you drove in high school. Like how many racers can probably say that, you know, like after, I mean, I feel like that's one of the first things some racers do is get themselves a cool car, but that's pretty cool. It says a lot about who you are and, and to kind of step back a little bit again, like the family dealership. I mean, if I'm not mistaken, wasn't that one of the earliest Harley Davidson dealerships in the U S it's got some history for sure. Um, got some farmland and, you know, my grandfather, Harv, turned an old chicken coop into a scooter parts shop, which eventually became a Harley dealer. And my brothers and I all grew up wanting to be factory Harley flat track racers. You know, we grew up dirt tracking, you know, didn't really see asphalt until uh, like 2007, 2008. And that was our dream to be involved with Harley Davidson for our lives. And it's kind of just been crazy the last couple of years having Harley come back into our family in the road racing side. But yeah, it's, you know, it's good to be home. It's, it's nice weather up here, summertime, and um, 
yeah, still unpacking some stuff, but having a few days here off in a row to kind of just, just hang out, relax, do some training and, you know, look towards, towards the end of the race season. Kind of reset a little bit before the final two rounds um, of the season here coming up. And so you guys have a full race schedule this year at uh, the Coda, which was, I think, a first for the series for Moto America. Like it's not in conjunction with like Superbiker Moto GP. So that's going to be probably pretty fun. And then, of course, New Jersey seems to be a pretty popular round as well to kind of round out the series. Yeah, having standalone at Coda should be really cool. I hear ticket sales are, are looking really good. It's going to be good weather. Might be a little bit on the warmer side, Texas. But yeah, it's looking forward to, you know, having baggers back and hooligans. And um, yeah, kind of just imprinting Moto America's own sole event uh, just at the track, which is, you know, hard to get time on. So, and then, yeah, Jersey has got a great fan base, you know, with Philadelphia near there and having two racetracks at Jersey. And then uh, kind of farewell to the old asphalt at New Jersey Motorsports Park, uh, hopefully, if they'll refresh it for for next season. Yeah, they did that at, at Road America. I noticed they did a full repave, and it seemed like it was pretty well received from the riders. You know, it didn't seem to take everybody too long to get adjusted to the new surface. And yeah, pretty major change, I would I would imagine. Yeah, they're talking about changing the configuration up a little bit too, kind of the turn 10, 11 section. But yeah, Road America, it's already one of the best tracks in the country. And that repave they did there is perfect. It's so smooth, ton of grip, one sheet. You know, it was already one of the best tracks, and and now, it, uh, yeah, I could uh, I can only imagine like a car going around there, even um, just with how much more grip and with less bumps, especially these like prototype stuff. When the biker car is getting off the ground, you're not having a ton of grip at that moment. But Road America, Laguna, to repave. I didn't get a chance to ride on Laguna, but it's cool to see you know these tracks to continue to work on things for motorcycles specifically at times even yeah i mean there's still probably a few tracks left that are a little bit sketchy you know from watching the series um the last few years maybe brainerd seems like it probably could use a resurface sometime soon but beyond that like it seems like the overall series for the most part just continues to grow and for you personally i mean you're coming off of a championship year from last year uh, you edged out Gus Rodeo for the Moto America Junior Cup title. So tell us about that. Like, how did that feel to accomplish that feat? And I mean, that just seems like it had to have been, especially the way you did it, you know, coming down to where you guys were tied and you got the title based on wins. Yeah, it was a great season. I mean, not where I want to be racing is on Ninja 400s, but after taking some time off from the sport to go professional racing and be where my family is and where I want to be, you know, it made it made sense to ride something smaller displacement and, you know, just me and my family on our team got some good partners to come on and had a lot of fun racing, you know, and being up at the front, just being back in the, in the paddock and the camaraderie and to be able to win a championship was a good feeling. But at the same time, I still feel like I have a ton to prove as a rider and that chip on your shoulder to say that I'm not just uh cherry picker running on little bikes but just where it was affordable and where you could be competitive at the time you know and i think being able to do that i've learned a lot about my riding and you know it's this thing you can work on you're not always like okay your prime age for this is like your 20 to 24 year old like in some other athletics i mean we're seeing what josh is doing um josh hayes you know being the winningest rider just continuously working on their craft is is a big deal like in this sport throughout someone's career. 
I'm seeing this trend across a lot of sports this year with these phenoms, you know, like I just watched the FedEx Cup in golf yesterday on television and 25 year old guy from Norway won the title. I think it's the fourth youngest to win it. And then we've got like Jet Lawrence on the moto side who just had a perfect season where it seems like there's these young phenoms. But then on the flip side of that, like you said, you got people like Josh Hayes and uh, Eli Tomac who are, you know, well into their 30s and, and 40s in some cases where and they're still going fast, you know, so it seems like age is kind of just becoming, I don't know, it's almost becoming irrelevant in some ways. Would you agree a little bit? I'd like to think so. And I'm a, I'm a golf fan. I like to play golf when we relax with my brothers. And um, yeah, it's kind of like if you're playing a certain way through your high school and college career, and then you get some pro events, and you're just still just kind of being more natural and perhaps more fearless at times, you know, with your technique or approach, which just kind of goes into the racing side of it. When you are younger, you probably take more chances. It's like, I don't bounce as well as I'm, (laughs) as I have, I've had injuries. At this point in this race season too, like the riders are lying if they're not dealing with some little thing, you know, a shoulder or knee or something. So kind of riding with that mindset, especially in terms of budget, like if you're having to cover crash damage and and all these different different factors varies based on how much risk you're going to take at times. Yeah, I would have never even thought of that. So that's probably how some teams operate where you go down, you got to help pay for some of that because it's not, I mean, yeah, each time you go down, there's a lot of parts going back into that, get that bike running again. So I can imagine that does factor into your decision-making process of taking chances <laughs> if there's the potential to have to have a, a big bill afterwards. Yeah, I think having Kyle and Travis, my two brothers running their own race program, you really learn a lot more about what goes on behind. And there's like this wave of having preparation be being overrated, it seems at times in the Moto America paddock, whether, you know, you're just trying to get into your first Moto America race, or if you've been at this deal for a long time, like the preparation is what gets results and success. You know, you went on Monday, three weeks before the race, like you don't win on Sunday, uh, sort of idea. And I think there's just a lot more that goes on behind the scenes to be able to get through an entire race weekend and and what you would consider you're satisfied with. Yeah, I mean, just the logistics alone, to me, it just, I can't even imagine, you know, then you got multiple riders on some teams. And so, yeah, there's definitely a lot going on there for a single race weekend and having a, probably a team where you have a lot of experience and maybe the data to kind of be able to go to a track and be on it pretty quickly. I would assume that probably makes a huge difference as well. Yeah. And being able to, to build off previous weekends, but yeah, if you have something from the previous season, I think that's what helped a lot with the junior cup thing last year is that we spent the year before gathering data at all these tracks all the tracks that I did race at, you know, that you can use to just build into, okay, now you're starting the weekend Friday morning on this versus being on Sunday, still chasing gearing, you know, like what are we doing at that point? But yeah, I mean, it's part of it. I mean, even just knowing that we have to write these things down to have for the future, to have it logged. But yeah, I mean, the knowledge is everything. So, I mean, it's just like a champ school. We're I think it's a lack of awareness because some of these things people could be doing, but they've never been introduced, you know, that direction yet. We'll get back to the conversation in one moment, but first here's a word from our sponsor. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. 
book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Well, let's, let's talk a little bit about your 2023 season. It kind of seems like it's been a little up and down and, you know, like kind of like you've alluded to already a little bit, sort of finding your place back in the paddock, you know, after being away for some years and, you know, doing the, the car driving school instruction. Um, so you, you started off for the wrench team and then you joined Altus midseason as a fill-in rider after Brandon Posh departed and went to X-Star. So tell us about all that. You had a, a podium finish, third place uh, alongside your brother um, at Road America. So, that, I mean, that had to be a pretty cool feeling. Yeah, tell us about the season. Yeah, we actually ran some Twins Cup with Wrench a little bit last year alongside Junior Cup at times just to, you know, be on a different bike. And Roger Hayden, he always talks about how every time you're on the bike is an audition and so few opportunities, you know, and for me to even kind of have a second chance at this sport is I'm doing my best to take full advantage of it because it sucks sitting at home on the couch, <laughs> Yeah, you know, watching people, you know, and you're like, well, I could be beating that guy. You know, or if I, if I was on that bike, you know, that's what you're always thinking from the sidelines in pretty much any sport. And then Wrench did a lot of testing in the offseason just to try to work on the R7. Um, we had a podium on it last year at the Ridge, which was really cool and kind of showed some promise for the team. And we ran a couple rounds and just had different expectations going into the Road Atlanta weekend and just agreed to part ways. You know, it's it sucks having to kind of step away from from that. But, you know, if, if you're looking at your health and safety even and in terms of preparation, like you were saying, some of these tracks, Brainerd, there's dangerous areas and, and things that, that I think could be could be altered even um, or just don't go there at all. Which <laughs> we might we might be after here soon. But, yeah, I mean, you get it. The mechanicals happen. But, yeah, I mean, if there's things that are that are overlooked just in terms of preparation. A little scary. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we're already taking chance and, you know, obviously the sport's not the safest, but, you know, if there's things that we feel like we can do in the future to try to not have these mistakes happen, um, that's kind of what we're just trying to build off of, just gathering more data like that. And then was able to hop on the Altus bike at Road America, which is super cool, last minute, you know, like Friday morning before FP1. Um, just crushed it, you know? Just <laughs> No, I appreciate it. Just kind of finalized getting on the bike and then yeah and then race one being able to get on the podium with travis was super cool one of the best moments in my life to go up to what you could say is a little bit better class have some quick success and then to to share it with family is super cool as well so yeah just a couple fill-in rides try to fill in on the altus r7 at pit race and we were just having some mechanicals you know and didn't really have a proper spare and uh, just decided to to carry on and move forward through the weekend. Now there's two rounds left, and I've had some conversations, some pretty some pretty cool stuff going on 
perhaps in this super sport category, but, uh, you know, all just, all just conversations right now, but looking towards being on something at the, at the last two rounds or the, just the last round and just trying to, trying to build something into the off season. You got to continue in the stock 1000 or, or a different class for the rest of the year. Yeah, I think everyone wants to be on a, on a big bike, on a super bike and stock 1000 is just a great, you know, kind of gateway to that. As a rider, it does always come down to what's competitive and what's affordable. And really the number one thing is the people. If you can get the right people in line, the people will make or break any team or organization or project or anything. And you're not always going to get this crew of perfect technicians or whatever it is. They're all going to have their little pros and cons. And being able to get them to all gel together and work together and try to you know not be making the same mistakes or just to have... Like I said, that bit of camaraderie within the team, like that feels like it's always the biggest thing. Yeah. It makes you probably appreciate that much more when you do find that environment because everything just probably starts to click and, you know, everybody's got a good vibe together. And I mean, I imagine that's what you're seeking. So these talks you've been having, so like, it sounds like more of a tryout for the last couple of rounds and then possibility maybe for 2024. Yeah. We'll see. Trying to continue to build into, into something. And, um, yeah, I mean, being able to, to communicate, you know, within the team, within in the middle of a session, even, you know, having a plan for a 25 minute practice session because track time is so valuable. But yeah, no, I mean, if I could race anything next year, I'd race a bagger yeah. to the factory. I'll be honest. Yeah. If I could do anything. A lot, everyone's always asking me why I don't race one. And it's like, man, you think I don't want to race one of those? <laughs> it's one of the most fun bikes you could ride, but, you know, following this super sport to stock 1000 super bike kind of path is, is where I would like to be. You're seeing like Titlers like Mesa now is going to race in place of Cambobier. Yeah. And like seeing this kind of prom- promotion within, you know, in terms of, you know, you're going to race for super sport. You're going to, now you're going to race their super bike. Like that should be encouraging for other riders and for the sport. You have riders from mini cup, who are now winning races in Junior Cup. You have Junior Cup riders winning in Super Sport and so on. And Twins Cup pull that lightweight Superbike class in the middle of all of it. You've gotten these riders a lot of different areas, a lot of platforms. But even saying that, I still am like, well, there's still not that many seats that are available. <laughs> well, you you mentioned it there, like, you know, the King of the Baggers team. And, you know, one of, one of the things you do, too, is you're part of that race bike development team. So, you know, what does that entail? Like you said, it sounds like it's just an absolute blast to ride those bikes. Like you wouldn't think them being so big and heavy. But, I mean, it's definitely a pleasure to watch watch all you guys ride those things when they're on the track. It's just, you know, drifting that big of a bike. But, yeah, so what? tell us about what your role is there on the development team. Yeah, it's it's been unbelievable to be able to work directly for the factory and um, being able to test a lot of different, you know, a huge variety of bikes. It's, it's yeah, it's been crazy just to be back there with the history with my family with Harley Davidson and and now having the three of us as riders for the factory. Um, but yeah, testing a ton of different stuff. You know, I can't talk about everything, but seeing if really. I mean, there can be part throttle stuff, right? I mean, it's not just all just going fast, yeah. <laughs> but just testing different things. So Kyle and Travis can continue to, to work on pace and speed while I can be the almost the guinea pig at times, whether it's electronics or mechanical or all these different components. 
Do you see these, uh, like all this development into this race bike, do you see that eventually kind of trickling down into some of the, the models themselves or like just some of the technology and things you guys are finding? Oh, it already has. I mean, we're seeing this this idea like race on Sunday, sell on Monday, because that's what we were missing for, for years of these factories jumping out of racing. We truly are seeing that data and development go into some of these bikes that are that are on the street. And I think the whole performance bagger fad lately, I think will continue to grow because, you know, when we rode together in Milwaukee, that was some of the most street riding that I've ever done in my life. And I've totally thought about riding a bike in the street differently after that week. Yeah, I never had a ton of desire to go on these long, long street rides. Just I think I've just been spoiled with the track growing up. <laughs> but, you know, we do, we do a lot of street riding instruction because a lot of the things are the same, you know, that we do on the track versus the street. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think being able to actually enjoy that a bit more, especially as I'm getting a little bit older. I totally agree. I was there with you guys and your, your brother Travis was led our group. And, you know, I just felt like the same way. It was sort of a light bulb moment for me because I was like you, like I didn't really understand the allure of like getting on a bike and riding 500 miles, you know, in a single day or longer, you know, and after riding that CVO though up there, I was like, now I get it. You know, like these bikes are fun. They've got power. They're comfortable. There's no wind buffeting. And so I kind of just thought it was pretty fun too. So I certainly enjoyed it. And speaking of all three of you guys, um, I just noticed it seems like you, all three of you guys are just seem like you're super grounded, you're respectful, knowledgeable, and you just all have a genuine love of motorcycling. And so what do you think you'd attribute that to? I mean, I think I know, obviously growing up with a, around a shop environment, but it just seems like all you guys are just so into it and down to earth, nice guys. No, I appreciate it. I think the racing has humbled all of us at one point or another. I mean, you've done racing before. You understand. You know, Nick Nick Ionach at Champ School, he always talks about if you if you want to be humbled, go racing. Because there's always someone doing something better than you, whether it's on or off the track. And there's there's no perfect formula. So I think you're always always trying to improve as a rider and as a person. And you know, you're just you're never gonna get it completely right. You just kind of just keep working on it. And it's, yeah, it's striving for this kind of perfection that doesn't exist in the sport. And I think I agree. All my best friends are, are motorcycle riders because everyone's so relaxed and, you know, how the little things don't really matter as much. Yep. Good old throttle therapy. Yeah. Kind of have to laugh, the, laugh these mistakes off, you know, like in the sport. Yeah. I think it's also amazing that, like, to me, like, it surprised me when you just said, like, wow, that's, I don't really ride street much. And it was like, it was totally new experience for you. You're like a little kid again. You kind of like return to that whole reason that you even threw a leg over a bike to begin with. Just the pure fun factor and, you know, smiles for miles. Yeah, sports changed my life. You know, being able to especially dive fully into instruction. It's opened up a lot of doors with racing, with testing. I mean, I've worked other jobs. I've worked in restaurants. I've worked valet at Treasure Island on the Strip in Vegas. And I've done all these different jobs but to be able to to do what the three of us have which is to work 100 percent in the motorsports industry um travis is still doing some work with ford and some car stuff but to be at a racetrack i mean yes oh you got stuck in charlotte airport for 24 hours and you know life sucks for <laughs> for that day but you realize how great life is yeah in general just being able to travel around and go to these different racetracks 
No, it's true. Like that job on the strip doing valet, I'm like, you probably think of that and go, you know what? You know, like this, I really appreciate this when, when I'm at the track now that much more, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to. I mean, all three of you guys seem like you're just savvy guys, go-getters. You had mentioned though, like, you know, like, so you were doing some car instruction, but now you're going to go full-time into the champ school as a lead riding instructor. So, you know, tell us about that. Cause it sounds like you're really kind of putting some energy into that going forward. Yeah, really all in. And I mean, I, I brought it up a couple times on the pod already. And it just it's, it happens so naturally because it does become a big part of my life, just how we get over mistakes. Yep. You know, immediately, you, you know, having this, you can use positive emotion, you know, on the motorcycle and in life, but to not be that emotion, you know, negative emotionally driven, you know, towards any of these things, you know, all my all my closest friends were all instructing and being able to do more events at racetracks in paddocks doing military events doing more and more different corporate things and working with more manufacturers i think it just helps again it's awareness it really is because people will ride for miles and decades just with things that they've heard or not techniques used by the best riders in the world which is all we're doing is looking at MotoGP riders, whether it's off-road or, you know, Speedway, even with throttle control. Like, whatever the, the number one plate holders are doing, you bring that into your skill set because why not? And that's all we're really doing with Champ School and, like, Champ U online. Being able to get it international, I think, is a big deal because the two-day Champ School is pretty expensive. But, like, for 50 bucks, all the techniques, quizzes, videos, everything explained online. And that's been having a lot of success uh, around the world. Is there one thing that stands out when you're instructing riders that just like when it happens, like just it's the coolest feeling ever. Like there's, there's got to be something that's super rewarding about that. Just when someone maybe finally hits a turn a certain way and then they finally get it. And that's, I mean, it's just got to be a cool feeling. For sure. It's being able to just load the front tire and load the front end into a corner, then feel a properly loaded motorcycle. The front end steering, carving into the corner, like a rider who is completely in control of their motorcycle, because that's that's what a lot of us are, are missing. I, but yeah, I mean, even a bigger thing, which is, you know, sometimes the negatives stand out more than the positives. And it's like riders who are not covering the brakes in traffic, I think is insane. I mean, if you ride on the dirt, having a finger just rested up on the front brake lever when you're in any unpredictable environment. I think is, is is crazy. And I mean, you got MSF-led programs that will teach you to have all four fingers wrapped around the throttle drum when you're riding because they don't want you to stab the front brake or they don't talk about how weight has to transfer to the front end before you can squeeze on more front brake, right? So, I mean, that's just a, such a subtle thing of just having a finger up on the lever to cut that reaction time, I think, is huge for riders. That's interesting because I never would even think about that. But being an old dirt biker, like I almost have to think consciously about putting all four of my fingers on the grips on both sides because it's just like you said, habit. You know, like I always have one on the clutch, and then if I'm in a situation where I know there's going to be some braking, I always have a finger up. So that's that's interesting. Yeah, in racing, we're always trying to cut the time frame. You know, you'll see Mark Marquez's fingers up at wide open throttle, and then shutting the throttle to the brakes not completely shutting the throttle to zero, then taking your fingers off and reaching for the brake lever. Like at higher speeds, that time frame, it gets greater at higher speed. You cover more distance before you have brakes on. But especially if you're 
ever riding on the street. You know, we rode for six days in Milwaukee street riding. The only time I was not covering the front brake lever for all 1,200 miles of that week was when we were on the freeway. I had a little bit of a bigger gap to the rider in front of me, and I could see for miles, you know, that we were clear and there wasn't any other cars around me. Like, yeah, I'd loosen up my hand up or turn the cruise on or something, you know. But then I'm covering a rear brake pedal. On the street, I, I feel naked without a full gear, airbag, yep. everything, right? So, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take extra precaution and be covering my controls. It's like if you're in stop-and-go traffic in your car, and each time you went to accelerate and brake, you put your foot back on the floorboard and then reached up for the brake, then back to the floorboard, and then reached to the throat, Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, you're going to miss one of those times eventually, right? Right. And then you're going to go flying off the road. Going forward, you know, what, uh, what's next for you in the uh, immediate future? And where would you like to see yourself in, in five years from now? Oh, that's a good question. Well, for Moto America, I'm, I'm always, I've been coaching other riders at Moto America. So I'll, I'll be at Coda regardless, working with a couple of riders and, and baggers and hooligans and super sport. You know, hopefully I'm riding something that weekend. If I don't announce something soon for, uh, for the end of the Moto America year. And then trying to wrap up. Uh, the Endurance Championship, running with Army of Darkness on an R1 uh, with Dunlop. I rode for him last year, and we got the overall in the heavyweight championship. And and right now we're leading that championship again with two rounds left. So looking forward to working with that team again. Great group of guys and girls who've been doing it for a long time and, and really have a really high expectation. Yeah, so that's super cool. Hopefully doing some more bagger testing. Yeah, and I mean, in five years, I'd like to see myself as a factory Harley Davidson bagger racer, or uh, a racing in superbike, which is pretty much the same thing now. <laughs> that's true. Like speeds are get are pretty similar, aren't they? <laughs> well, that's cool, though. I mean, I think both are possible for you. Obviously, I mean, you've got tons of talent, and uh, like I said earlier, I feel like all three of you guys, all three of you brothers, are just great guys. It was fun to meet you in Milwaukee and hang out a little bit and talk with you. As soon as I met you, I'm like, I got to get you on the show. So really appreciate your time today and coming on and sharing some of your story and look forward to seeing uh, what's what's next to come from you. And uh, any last words you'd like to share with everybody out there? Go right ahead. Yeah, Dale. No, it was super cool to, uh, to meet and hang out and uh, do some street riding in Wisconsin. Yeah, just talking and chatting about about the sport that we love, man. So, you know, that's why I'm doing the instructions. That's why I'm just trying to grow the sport and try to keep people from from getting hurt and and quitting themselves out of the sport. A couple of years ago, really being like, this is what I was, this is what I'm supposed to do, whether it's racing or just sharing the knowledge. So I'm I'm all in. I'm devoting my life to this sport, and I appreciate guys like you putting on uh, more content and everything for for what we're all into, what we want to hear about, what we want to talk about. So, yeah, appreciate the invite. Thanks for having me on. Um, thanks to everyone out there for listening. It means a lot. Well, we'll, we'll stay in touch and uh, hopefully have you on maybe again next year and see how things are going for you again. But definitely want to keep track and appreciate your time today. And thanks so much, Cody. You got it. Thanks, sir. If you enjoyed this episode, follow Pit Pass Moto on your favorite podcast listening app so you never miss an episode. And if you have a moment, please rate or review our show. We'd greatly appreciate it. 
You can also follow us on social media or visit pitpassmotorsports.com where you can listen to the past episodes and check out the new Pit Pass Motorsports blog powered by Podium Life, featuring articles and industry news focused exclusively on two-wheel and four-wheel motorsports. Head to pitpassmotorsports.com to check it out. I'm Dale Spangler. I hope you'll join us next week for another episode of Pit Pass Moto. Thanks for listening. Save big money when you start your next project today at Menards. Check out our great selection of garage and utility lighting options in stock, ready to take home today. We carry everything to help you illuminate whatever project you're working on. Shop garage and utility lighting products in store at your nearest Menards. You can also view all of our entire selection of lighting options today on Menards.com. Save big money at Menards.